This presentation is brought to you by the Friends of the Amazing Facts Ministry. In January 2010, a minivan struck and killed a man crossing the Brooklyn Street. Especially tragic because this was no ordinary man. Joe Rolina would have been 105 years old in March. His friends said he was the model of health. A World War II vet with three Purple Hearts, Rolino got his start in the 1920s at the Coney Island Carnival, billed as the strongest man in the world. Five feet five inches tall and weighing 150 pounds, for his size, he was one of the strongest men ever. He could move 3,200 pounds with his back, lift 475 pounds with his teeth, and 635 pounds he could lift with one finger. At Joe Rolino's 103rd birthday party, a friend gave him a quarter and Rolino bent it with his fingers. He then apologized because he used to do it with a dime. Did I mention that Joe Rolino didn't drink or smoke, he exercised daily, and he was a lifelong vegetarian? You know, the Bible also makes a connection between a very strong man and a unique lifestyle. The Bible says Samson did not drink and he stayed away from unclean foods. Would you like to live to a healthy 100? Anything is possible when we follow God's health plan. So join me now as we take a deeper look into this life-changing subject. Tonight I'm gonna be sharing a topic that um, I think the Christian world is long overdue to understand this issue. And people have suffered greatly because they do not understand this principle from the Bible that uh, is very practical. Now, our message tonight is dealing with the subject of healing, health, and holiness. It begins with a story that you find in a book of prophecy, and it's in Daniel chapter 1. It tells that after King Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Babylon, he took some of the the brightest and the best of the nation, and he brought them with him back to Babylon. And he said, look, we're going to train you in the language of the Chaldeans. We're going to feed you from our cafeteria for three years, and we're going to prepare you to be ambassadors representing your part of the world and uh, go to the University of Babylon. And you think, well, that would be really good to be eating from the Babylonian cafeteria. But uh, there's a problem with that. Babylonians ate things that God had told his people they're not supposed to eat. So Daniel and his three friends that had been carried off to Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, their Hebrew names were Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they said, we can't eat that. Please let us eat pulse or vegetables and just uh, give us a chance. And uh, the man who was in charge of the eunuchs, he said, I can't do that because if, if you start looking scrawny and sick, I'm responsible for your health and education. My head will be on the block. They said, you give us 10 days. Notice it says in Daniel 1, verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile. He would not what? Defile, defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. So they proposed to Ashpenaz, prince of the eunuchs, prove your servants, test us for 10 days. Let us have pulse to eat and water to drink. We're not going to eat the Babylonian food and the fermented wine. And the Bible says he consented to that. And then at the end of 10 days, their countenances appeared fair and fatter in flesh. You know, they just come across the desert. And he found them 10 times better, smarter, than all the magicians and the astrologers 
that were in the realm. And the first chapter of Daniel closes by saying, and Daniel continued until the time of King Cyrus. Daniel lived to about 100 years of age. He must have been 15 to 17 when he was carried off. So it's interesting that at this very important book of prophecy, it would make a point that Daniel and his friends had purpose they would take care of their bodies even when they were tempted by their surroundings and even though there was social pressure to compromise. They said, no, this is what God says about treating our bodies as the temple of the Holy Spirit and we will not defile our bodies. This is a truth that has been lost by much of the Christian church and it's an area where there needs to be revival and reformation and that's also true even within our denomination. Let's look at our lesson. It's going to bring out a number of points. First question, what was the original diet that God designed for humans? You read in Genesis 1, verse 29, and God said, Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, and in every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And the word meat there, that's King James, just means for food. And so the original diet that God gave to man was a vegetarian diet contained with actually fruits, grains, and nuts, beans. But later, God expanded the diet. And that's the next question. After Adam and Eve sinned, and they were evicted from the Garden of Eden, they could no longer eat from the tree of life, God then said, all right, I want to give you something supplemental. What was added to their diet at that point? Genesis 3, verse 18, he said, you shall eat the herb of the field, meaning vegetables. Now, I find sometimes people don't know the difference between a fruit and a vegetable. <laughs> Let me test you. Um, apple. Fruit. fruit. Orange. Fruit. Zucchini. Fruit. See? Fruit. Onion. Vegetable. Um, Brussels sprouts. Inedible. <laughs> uh, it's real simple that anything that is the product of the blossom is the fruit and anything that's any other part of the plant whether it's the stalk or the leaves or the bulbs that's a vegetable and so after Adam and Eve uh, and you know a lot, a lot of kids out there are really sorry that Adam and Eve sinned because they didn't want vegetables added to their diet but after they sinned and they were told they could no longer stay in the garden. God said, you can also eat the herb of the field. But the original diet for man was a vegetarian diet. And uh, I'll just tell you right now, I'm biased. I am a vegetarian. I encourage people to consider it. The Bible does not require you to be a vegetarian. But are you aware that we will be vegetarians in heaven? Amen. When God asked Adam to name the animals, he did not look at the cow and say, Whopper. And he did not look at the chickens and say, McNuggets. Uh, you know, he was supposed to protect them. He wasn't supposed to think about eating them. And it wasn't until after sin, and especially after the flood, that animals became a part of the diet. What mammals does God say we could eat? Now, I told you I'm a vegetarian. I encourage that. But the Bible does say you're going to eat meat. But then it says if you're going to eat meat, there's some criteria. You can read about this in Leviticus 11, verse 3. Whatever parts the hoof and is cloven-footed and chews the cud, these you can eat. So it needed to have a cloven hoof. needed both characteristics. 
not just one. Um, but even some meat is not healthy. For instance, you know a camel? Camel chews the cud, but it's got a paw. Now, I know some of you are really bothered by that because you're going to have to go take the camel out of your fridge tonight, right after the program. <laughs> but, you know, this was a problem in Christ's time. He said, you strain a gnat and you swallow a camel, which is unclean. He said, you're worried about getting a little bitty bug in your water, but then you go eat camel steak when you go home, and God says it's unclean. Have you ever been around camels? I have. You don't, yeah, I wouldn't want to eat one. Now, if some things, they chew the cud, but they don't have... Uh, a cloven hoof. And then there's a couple of animals that have a cloven hoof, but they don't chew the cud. You know what's in that category? Ah, this one's very popular. Puerco, the pig, the hog, the swine. Though it divides the hoof, having cloven hoofs, yet it does not chew the cud. It is unclean to you. He goes on to say, their flesh you shall not eat, their carcass you shall not touch. It was an abomination. Pigs are filthy. I used to take care of my neighbor's pigs when he would go on vacation. And, you know, I always try and find some new word to describe it. But all I can come up with is to tell you that pigs are pigs. Their name is the definition. and You can't improve on it. You ever been by, you're driven by a pig slaughterhouse? Even the Bible says, like the sow that was washed returns the wallowing in the mire. And... Um, and their flesh is full of disease. But they're scavengers. God made some animals that are scavengers. And they're made to kind of clean up the environment. They eat garbage. Why would you? You want to eat garbage, but you'll eat the garbage can <laughs> when you eat a pig. How many of you remember this? This little piggy went to the market. <laughs> this little piggy stayed home. This little piggy had roast beef. Even a pig won't eat pork. See, that's, <laughs> you know, I, I remember reading once, I think it was one out of five autopsies done in North America. They found out that the Godivers had um, symptoms or evidence of trichinae poisoning. Trichinosis uh, is a very tricky disease in that when the muscle tissue containing trichinous cysts are eaten by a human, it says the cysts are then digested in the stomach, then release the larvae, which migrate to the intestine, begin a new life cycle. Female trichina worms live about six weeks, and in that time they might release 15,000 larvae. The migration and insistment of larvae can cause fever, pain, even death. It can cause stiffness in joints and knees and pain, and it's often misdiagnosed. A person thinks, I've got bursitis or arthritis, and they got pigitis. That's what it is. It's from... It's very common around the world. There's a picture of a fellow. He's got his lunch on his box, back of his bike. One um, nutritionist wrote a few years ago, and this is an old article, but I like the way he worded it. September 6, 1999. A nutritionist said bacon wasn't technically meat anymore. It didn't belong to any food group at all. It was a salty, nitrate-ridden, fat-laden, carcinogenic thing. Why would you want to eat a carcinogenic thing because it tastes good. Are you going to be controlled by the spirit or by the flesh? Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Doug, you're coming down pretty hard on those of us who, you know, eat meat and stuff like that. You know, God designed humans to eat meat, and that's why we've got these canine teeth, you know? 
I said, I've heard that argument before. That's nonsense. This fellow's got canine teeth, too. <laughs> and he's a vegetarian. As is the hippo and the elephant. I don't know how far I want to take this illustration, but... Uh, uh, and actually, the digestive system of a cat or a carnivore or a dog is very smooth. Vegetarian animals have a more complex digestive system where they've got the, the uh, broken up uh, intestine, and uh, we're in that category. We thrive on the vegetarian diet. And people say to me all the time, oh, Pastor Doug, you know, it, you can't be healthy if you're vegetarian. You're not going to get enough B12 and protein. That is a myth. That is totally an uneducated statement. I've been a vegetarian for 40 years. I love when I go to Subway and I order a veggie and they say, you want any cheese? I said, no, <laughs> I'm a vegan too. I said, no, no, I'll just, all the veggies. I said, I'm a vegetarian. Really? I said, yep. I said, do I look 90 years old? And they go, wow, you're not. <laughs> I usually confess that I'm kidding at that point. You notice I didn't say I was 90. I said, do I look 90? Of course, once I said, do I look 70? And they said, yeah, about 70. <laughs> so I had to up it a little bit. <laughs> but uh, no, you know, I really have. I've been a vegetarian 40 years, and I feel great. You get, you know, if you, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich has everything you need. If you use strawberry preserves, you got your fruits, grains, and nuts right there, the whole thing. You got protein, you got B12, you got everything you need. And so they say, oh, you won't get enough? Ah, uh, don't believe that for a minute. Look what happened here in the Bible. This is, a, it's kind of a primitive chart, but you see here, these are the people who lived in the days before the flood. You got Seth, Methuselah, Noah. Their lives were measured in hundreds of years. After the flood, all the vegetation was destroyed, Remember, God took the clean animals on the ark by sevens, and they ostensibly would sacrifice them. They were allowed to eat of the sacrifice, but meat-eating became a lot more predominant after the flood. And look what happened to the lifespan. One of the places in the world where people live the longest is the Hunza people in the Hunza Valley in India, largely vegetarian, very common for them to live over 100 years of age. They don't have a fraction of the modern diseases that we experience. Don't go anywhere, friends. We'll be back in just a moment with the rest of today's presentation. It's no secret, friends. Millions of people today are suffering from health issues that lead to crippling disease and shorter lives. We spend billions every year on goofy health fads that often end up hurting our bodies more than helping. But what if I told you that the Bible has the exact prescription that you need to live a healthier and a happier life. Amazing Facts wants to send you a special free resource called Amazing Health Facts. This attractive full-color magazine presents eight powerful biblical health lessons in a direct and captivating way, giving you practical, easy-to-follow guidance on better living today. Backed by modern research, each lesson is packed with colorful and intriguing facts that will help you keep your body, mind, and spirit stronger than ever. To get your free copy, call the phone number on the screen and ask for offer number 806 or visit the web address. And after you read this incredible resource, be sure and share it with a friend. Let's return now to today's presentation and learn some more amazing facts from the Word of God. 
Now, if you're going to talk about, we talked about the mammals that had to have a cloven hoof and chew the cud. What about the sea creatures? What types of fish or seafood are clean biblically? You read in Leviticus 11, verse 9, These you can eat of all that are in the waters. Whatever has fins and scales, them you shall eat. You know, I uh, understand that the Navy did some research back after World War II because a number of pilots and sailors were floating around in the ocean. They didn't know what they could and couldn't eat of the fish that kind of gathered around their life rafts. And they said, we need to give them some criteria that they can remember something simple. And they did all this research. And one of them said, you know, it says in the Bible that if it has fins and scales, it's safe. And they said, well, let's see what that looks like. And they did all the research. They said, that's probably the best rule of thumb we can tell the sailors. They found a lot of toxins in the scavengers. Catfish do not have scales. My brother and I used to catch catfish off my dad's back porch. He was right on Biscayne Bay in Miami Beach. And um, taking the hook out of the catfish, my brother's finger got poked by the dorsal fin. And it was so toxic, he could never bend his finger again. And people eat those things. We eat them too back then. Sharks, they've got cartilage on the outside. They're, they're scavengers. And some of you are wondering, what about tuna? Tuna has scales. Very small, but they've got scales. And so they needed these things. So what would be unclean? But in the seas, in Leviticus 11.10 still, in all the seas of the rivers, those that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water, or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. Now, there's no time in the Bible when God calls something abomination in one part that it is then blessed in another part. Anything that's declared by God an abomination stays an abomination. And by the way, these are not laws just for one group of people. These are laws that God gave to humanity in the beginning. What about the, the birds? If you can eat meat, what birds are clean? Well, the way they raise some birds, I wouldn't eat anything. But biblically, it needed to be a foraging bird. The ones that are unclean, it says every raven after its kind, and the owl, and the nighthawk, and the cuckoo, and the hawk after its kind, the scavengers, the, the raptors, they were unclean. The omnivores, the foraging birds, like the pheasant and the quail and the chicken and the turkey, you'll be happy to know, are in the clean category. <laughs> Pigeon is clean, which means they'll never starve in New York City. <laughs> I wouldn't need any of those, though. <laughs> But uh, they were typically in that category. So are the laws about the clean and unclean animals part of Moses' ceremonial law that ended at the cross? This is the argument. Have you heard this before? No. You read in Genesis 7, when God was telling Noah to bring the animals on the ark, everyone says, oh, yeah, they went on the ark two by two. Not all of them. The unclean animals went by two. The clean animals went by seven. Come, you and all your house into the ark. And it says, of the beasts that are not clean, they'll bring by two. Of the clean beasts, they come by sevens. Like you might have the stag and seven does. You have the bull and or six cows and the bull. And so they may have divided it up like that. And so how many here related to Noah? I'd be all of you. How many of you never raise your hand when the pastor asks a question? <laughs> Some of you are honest enough to finally raise your hand for that question. 
but we're all related to Noah. So God makes a distinction of clean and unclean right back there in the beginning. And these things, we know today that there's health principles. By the way, uh, National Geographic did an article a few years ago called The Blue Zones. Did any of you here ever see this magazine? It talked about the areas of the world where people live the longest. They came up with three groups. The people that live in Sardinia, the Mediterranean. The people that live in Okinawa, Japan, some of the oldest in the world. And the third category was Seventh-day Adventists that live in Loma Linda, or Seventh-day Adventists, but that's just a Loma, it's a, a, an enclave down there. And so they saw there was a concentration and so they specifically said Seventh-day Adventists. What do they attribute that to? Their healthy lifestyle. Amen. Following the biblical criteria, among other things. Having a day of rest helps also. Um, and they live a lot longer. I was visiting uh, a sister today, 93 years old, up and around, doing fine. This is a picture of one of my church members. 111, still going. Viola Cook, and um, it just was amazing to me. Her brother-in-law told me, Art Reed, gave me some good advice. If you forget everything I say tonight, remember this. I said, Art, how come you're so old and so healthy? He said, three things. Stop eating while you're still a little hungry. Wake up when you're still a little sleepy. And stop talking when you still have something left to say. <laughs> Secret to life. Does God say that uh, eating unclean food is a serious offense? And some people think, well, you know, the Bible laws about health are recommendations. The Bible doesn't call them recommendations. It calls them laws. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 66, verse 15 and 17. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariot like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury. Those that sanctify themselves and purify themselves are declaring themselves sanctified and pure, eating swine's flesh, and the abomination and the mouse will be consumed together, says the Lord. Oh, Pastor Doug, are you telling me that my BLT sandwich is no more? It tastes so good. You know, when you really think about it, there are so many good things to eat. I'm surprised people say to me, Pastor Doug, you're vegetarian. What do you eat? <laughs> well, I eat great. Lots of things. It's just you, you grow up learning a certain way and you think that's the only way. You've got to just learn to do good, learn a new way, and you'll be fine. Some people think, well, if God doesn't want us to eat it, why did he make it? And it's almost like a bumper sticker that you would find somewhere on Bubba's truck. God made it so we can kill it and eat it. He didn't make any of the animals for us to kill and eat. People quote this verse in 1 Timothy 4, 4. For every creature of God is good. Have you heard this before? Nothing to be refused if it's received with thanksgiving and prayer. Now, they don't read the context. They don't read what it says before or after. It says, first of all, it'll be sanctified by the word of God. That means the creatures that are approved in the word of God can be sanctified by prayer. But this notion that Christians believe, and this is where, boy, I hope this sinks in with thinking Christians out there. The idea that we're free now from the laws about health because we just pray and God blesses whatever we eat. You would not accept that from your children. How many of your parents out there? Are they raising their hands? <laughs> if you were getting ready for work one day and your kids were fixing their own breakfast, you know, they're a little older, 
and you see that they're pouring sugar-frosted flakes in their bowl, then they're putting sugar on top of it, then they go in the freezer and they get a scoop of chocolate ice cream, then they get some caramel syrup, and you say, what in the world do you think you're doing? Don't worry, Mom, Dad, I'm going to ask Jesus to bless it. <laughs> would you say, oh, okay, it's okay. As long as you pray over it, that'll be okay. How many would accept that? But why do we think that we can tempt the Lord by going against the basic principles of health in the Bible and say, well, I prayed over it. When the Bible talks about that, it's talking about there was a, a big contest between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians, and the Jewish Christians said, oh, that meat had been offered to an idol. You can't eat it. And Paul said, look, the idol's nothing. You pray over it. He was talking about clean animals that maybe they had bought in a Gentile marketplace, goat or turkey or sheep or whatever it was. And the Jews had a very sensitive conscience. They said, but it was a Gentile marketplace. They butcher things and, and they offer them to gods before they butcher them. And Paul said, look, it's sanctified by the word of God. God's word said you can eat that goat, that sheep, and you've prayed over it. Don't worry about it. How many of you eat Chinese food in Chinese restaurant? I do. I did this week. And when I went in, there was a Buddha <laughs> in the restaurant. Now, some Christians might have a problem with that. They might say, I can't eat in there. There is a Buddha. I'll be supporting Buddha if I eat in that restaurant. <laughs> Paul is saying, look, you pray over your food. Don't worry about what they think about the cook might be a Buddhist. It's not going to hurt you. This was the issue. It wasn't saying you could eat anything. That's irresponsible. We all know better than that. What you eat is going to affect your health. How much you eat is going to affect your health. Uh, some will say, what about the vision that Peter had in Acts chapter 10? Some of you remember, tells us that Cornelius, a Gentile and his family full of Gentiles, an angel says, you must hear from Peter. They send messengers to Peter. Normally, Jews did not preach to the Gentiles in those early days. Peter's up on the roof. He's praying. He's hungry. God gives him a vision of a sheet comes down from heaven full of all these unclean animals. And God says, arise and eat. Notice what Peter says. Not so, Lord. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the Bible says, do not call unclean what I have cleansed. And he's wondering. This happens three times. He never takes anything out of the sheet. It's a vision. You can't eat a vision. He never takes anything out of the sheet. He never eats it. And he's wondering what the vision means. And some Gentiles knock on the door downstairs. And Peter explains what this vision is about. He said, God has told me not to call any man. That's a funny way to spell pig. Doesn't say God has shown me to call any swine unclean. He says not to call a man unclean. Because the Jews were calling the Gentiles unclean. This vision had nothing to do with food. It had to do with taking the gospel to the Gentiles. So pastors that say that, they're being dishonest. They know that's not what was really happening there. Doesn't make a difference what we eat. Do you know why we're all having problems with sin and temptation? Because our first parents ate something they weren't supposed to eat. Don't forget to request today's life-changing free resource. Not only can you receive this free gift in the mail, you can download a digital copy straight to your computer or mobile device. To get your digital copy of today's free gift, simply text the keyword on your screen to 40544 or visit the web address shown on your screen. And be sure to select the digital download option on the request page. 
It's now easier than ever for you to study God's Word with amazing facts wherever and whenever you want, and most important, to share it with others. And thank you for your continued support as we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We hope you'll join us next week as we delve deep into the Word of God to explore more amazing facts. This presentation was brought to you by the Friends of the Amazing Facts Ministry.